Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are continuing our coverage of Ahsoka, the new live-action TV show with Aaron McGowan, and joining us today, the esteemed professor Matthew Capel. We're talking about Ahsoka Season 1, I hope of many seasons, Episode 4. Matthew, so good to have you joining us. For those who haven't heard you before, do you want to give kind of like a quick introduction of yourself and tell us how you've been feeling about Ahsoka so far? Or actually, let me change that question. I... Give us a quick introduction for yourself and tell us, how did you feel about Ahsoka, the character, kind of going into this show? That's a nice way of doing it. Yeah. So um, yeah. My, na- my name is Matthew Capel. Uh, I'm an anthropologist, a historian, and a mythographer. Um, I just switched places that I teach. So I'm at Montclair State University um, in the lovely New Jersey. Um and mm-hmm. just right now, for the first time in a really long time, only teaching anthropology, though I'll be teaching classics next semester. So, um, And I both liked Ahsoka and thought that the love of Ahsoka was overplayed. Um, mm, but um, in terms of... In terms of recent Star Wars content, I'm not on the bandwagon for Clone Wars. I don't think it's the best. Uh, I think Rebels is the best or Andor is the best, but it's definitely not Clone Wars, which I find really hit or miss. Um, So I love Ahsoka. She's one of my favorite characters, but she's not the character that I really, truly care about on a day-to-day basis. Fair. Uh, And can you say a bit more about what you mean by overloved? Because I think that's a phrase that could probably be misinterpreted in eight different ways. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't mean to diss anybody's um, preference for characters at all. Um, I thought that as uh, before season seven of Clone Wars was dropped, I thought the um, ways people in which people really cared for the character of Ahsoka were largely about projecting things they wanted Ahsoka to be onto the character rather than being able to point at the character and go, look, this is when she does it. Um, Which is not to say that there's anything wrong with loving her. Furthermore, there's a lot of character moments in Clone Wars with uh, Ahsoka that are just awesome. When she walks away from the Jedi Order and it's walking away from a group of men who are going, oh, look, we screwed up, come back, um, is one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars. So, I mean, she's very much high up there. She's just not as high as she is for a lot of other people, I think, would be another way of putting it. Then again, my fair, fav- my fa- my favorite Star Wars character in all of Star Wars is Hera Syndulla, So Cool. Okay. Well, we got a lot to talk about with this episode. Uh, also, though, joining us, as I hope was going to be pretty, pretty regular for uh, the Ahsoka show, is Erin McGowan, Lady Tano herself. Erin, uh, say hello, and uh, yeah, kind of jump into the conversation wherever you want. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm back. It's Erin. <laughs> No, um, this show has been everything I could have hoped and dreamed for. All I've wanted since I was seven years old is a show just about Ahsoka because she's the one that I love the most because I really identified with her as someone who's around her age. I felt like we Mm -hmm. grew up together. So I've always like, I've always wanted to see her in live action. Like, why wouldn't you when that's like someone you love so much, which Matthew, we disagree, but that's okay. I respect your opinions (laughs) and I understand we grew up in very different eras and I think that probably has a lot to do with it. Um, but also your valid your opinions. Um, what a nice way of saying. But yeah, old. This sh- <laughs> I didn't say it. 
<laughs> no, no, I, I have experience with Lady Tano here. If she wants to call one of us old, she will just call us old. She does it quite frequently. So don't worry about that one. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, the show's been great. This episode, oh, everyone, like, I, my friend texted me last night and was like, oh my God. And I just said, I haven't seen the episode yet. And he was like, watch it now. And then I went mm-hmm. to bed and he texted me like 10 minutes later. Did you watch it? No, I was sleeping. Um, but I watched it this morning. Um... And I just knew everyone was really excited. Like someone in my uh, one of my Discord chats for like a Star Wars thing had said like, "Oh my God, the ending of the episode!" And everyone was like, "We haven't seen it yet. Shut up." Uh huh. Um. So I kind of knew something big was coming. I was kind of just waiting on that. wasn't sure where it was gonna go. I thought we were just talking about Sabine. We weren't. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a. I was crying at the end of the episode. I will be honest because mm-hmm. it means so much to me. I don't know if I want to throw that spoiler out till we like do an episode breakdown. Yeah, I think I think I'm ha- careful. Yeah, I think I'm comfortable saying at this point that we are going to be spoiling the show. Now, this episode is going to be coming out a significant amount of time after Ahsoka episode four itself aired. I'm hoping not too much longer. But for those wondering why it's so late, uh, it's because we are respecting the strike. We're recording this now, but we are not going to be. I'm not re- release. I am not releasing on any of my podcasts media that is directly promoting or talking about the struck media uh, of which Ahsoka is definitely part of. Disney being not the best right now, uh, but so we're talking about that. So I hope that by the time this comes out, you've either watched the episode or decided not to watch it, and you're just listening to us because we want to get filled in. So yeah, we can do spoilers for sure. Uh, I have some thoughts on the big thing that happened in the, the episode. But I want to back up just one second and say, Matthew, I'm going to call you Professor because I can be Matthew because that's a good name. Uh, we both share that name. But Aaron, when you started that, I was like, what did I say? I haven't said anything yet that you're going to disagree with. Uh, but then I understood Other who Matthew. you're referring to. Um, uh, but so dist- distinguished Professor, uh, how have you felt about the show overall going into this episode? I think my critiques would be the critiques that I've seen online. Mostly I find it a bit slow. Um, and when it's not slow, it's trying really hard not to be slow in strangely located spots in the narrative. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm okay with waiting. Um, but part of me thinks really I should have just waited for the entire season to be done and then binged it with my wife. I think I probably would yeah. like it a lot more than I'm liking it. My other issue, which is a stupid issue, I recognize this is a silly issue. But I think the actors are having a difficult time. The actors who are representing formerly animated characters are having a difficult time doing what they want to do under the direction they're getting. So they all seem a little um, forced, Um, which is not to say that these are bad actors, because we know most of them and most of them are great actors. But they're trying so hard to hit the right pose that that character would hit in a episode of rebels that it's they, it looks like they're having a tough time just being naturally an actor doing a part um and and, and you know i, I think really, that's really valid you know thank you um and i and i think ahsoka only has one thing to do which is look troubled and um intense about it um and and, <laughs> and i need ahsoka to have more stuff to to feel to emote about to, to laugh and to be joshing and she needs to do more than just like wander around and look like a Jedi who has worries, right? Because um, the character of Ahsoka is so much more than that and we're not getting that. We're just getting 
generic Jedi number four. It is giving broody Bruce Wayne right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's sure. a good. That's a great way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I I was watching this episode and I thought it was really interesting and I I I like the two perspectives we have and I think it's important and I think like Matthew, I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I also really want to honor that like. I, I think there is just something amazing about just seeing this character being in live action, even if it is a little bit of a, you know, not doing as much as, as we might have thought. Um, and Aaron, especially if, as you talked about you know, how much that can mean to someone. I To me, I was really struck by this, especially, though, when, you know, here in episode four, the main kind of like this is the halfway point of the season and the main like will they won't they moment wasn't Ahsoka's. It was Sabine's. And. Like, I'm loving the show for Sabine, and I'm loving the show as Rebels basically season five. Um, but it's it's funny because when when Boba the Boba Fett show had Mandalorian go off on his own thing, I didn't mind it too much because in my mind this was all sort of just, you know, there's a, there's a show called the post, the post, you know, fall of the Empire, life out on the rim, and Boba Fett and... Uh, 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 Satine Ren, not Satine Ren, um, Bo Katan, and all these characters are all doing their own thing and they're all kind of weaving it, weaving in and out of each other's shows. This one, it, it is feeling very much like Rebels, and I think it kind of speaks to some of what you're saying, Matthew, about the direction. It, it feels, it, it definitely feels to me though, and, and granted, what we just got at the end, I think, uh, of this episode is going to really start to open it up, but, uh, Aaron, I'm really curious your thoughts on like, what have you felt about seeing. The, the big sort of character movement so far not be more from the Rebels characters with Ahsoka's character. Ahsoka, to me, feels very much like she felt in Rebels, where she is the one to provide insight and to provide wisdom and to provide some awesome fighting and to help other characters on their journey. But so far, at least, not to do much of her own journey. Yeah, she hasn't had a very forward-moving <laughs> journey at this point in the show. I'm kind of hoping that that's a little bit on purpose because they have to introduce the rebels characters to this whole audience who's never seen the cartoon shows. Right. And so I feel like to do that justice, it, it makes sense that they put a lot more time and effort into those characters and establishing them, explaining who Ezra is, all of that stuff. Um, so I can understand why they've done it that way, but yeah, I totally agree. Like she's had very little, emotional growth or emotion so far right like there were a couple moments that i did really appreciate where it's like you could see a little bit of padawan ahsoka i don't remember it was in the first episode i just rewatched the first episode last night with my parents but there's a moment she's about to fight someone and she just has the tiniest little smirk mm-hmm. and it's like oh there's snips like she's yep. deep in there but it's nice to see that she's still there so I agree. Like, I'd love to see her laugh. And I think with what we got at the end of the episode, she's meeting with Anakin right now. Like, depending how that conversation goes, what they discover, what they work through, like, this could be a 180 for her character. Like, well, it will be. She's not going to come out the same. And so that could be that catalyst of the growth we're kind of all looking for. Mm -hmm. I could see that happening. And that's why it's mid-season like that. And maybe because now it's like, oh, where's Sabine? No one knows, you know? Yeah. And they don't want to give away too much of the bad guy's plan, so they're probably not going to focus on her very much for an episode or two, um, yeah. is what I'm hoping, which gives us more space with Ahsoka and the new version of her that's going to come out of the world in between worlds or wherever she... Is that where she is right now? 
I think so, yeah. Or is it like I, Space Heaven? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a really good question. And I will admit, I think I would have been much more negative about this episode if we hadn't seen that at the end. Because part of what it got me thinking about, Matthew, I'm curious where you would be on something like this. Like, I, I felt this a lot as a pastor, but I certainly talked to other friends of mine who are teachers or educators or uh, therapists or whatever, where they often have to have their, like, even if they're hanging out with friends, they're still in kind of a professional setting of, like, you all see me in this role, and so I have to be detached. I can't be as broken as some of you. I can't have the emotions that you do. I'm the one who everyone else is looking to to be the rock, to be the stability, to be the guide. And so I really crave the part of my life where I get to let all that go, you know, in the whether it's with my professional colleagues or with my family who doesn't see me that way or whatever it is. And that's what I, I, I'm hoping that's what we're going to kind of get. And I felt that even just in the way she said master, you know, to Anakin with a sense of like wonder and, and what was happening. And, and I think some apprehension is that this is where we'll get to see like, that the Ahsoka she is presenting to everyone else isn't that she is kind of like just cynical and 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 tired of everything. It's that she's very intentionally putting out that front. Yeah. D does that make does that make some sense? I agree with that. Like the Ahsoka we've seen so far in the live action, and I've talked about this before, how like I didn't love her at first. I was like, who is this character? Like I don't know her. Like what's happening? <laughs> um but yeah, I agree. It's that she has been so hurt by the world or the galaxy, I guess, um, that her coping at this point in her life and also maybe just what she's learned the best. Because, you know, in the first episode, Sabine asks, where's home? She's on the ship. She doesn't care. It's her ship, yeah. her droid. That's all she wants. That's all she needs. Because then she doesn't have to act all the time when she's just at home because Liang doesn't care if she wants mm -hmm. to, like be broody and stay in her room and cry for a while or whatever <laughs> she's feeling. Um, <laughs> Cause I imagine that's probably, she does that more than she would ever admit because like you're saying, she's putting out a really brave front. She's feeling all this responsibility from these people who are a little younger than her, newer to the world of like wards who maybe don't understand things as well as she feels she does. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I agree. I think it's a very maybe self assigned title of leadership but also people do look to her right so yeah basically i agree with what you're saying yeah yeah i i will agree with Aaron on that too and i think you're right matthew that that notion that you have to be who people expect you to be is is that issue um and i i, right. I imagine as a pastor that has happened to you a lot um it's really hard to cut loose um when you're the person everybody's looking at to not cut loose um, and I will say I, I have hope as well, um, because I know that uh, Rosario Dawson and Hayden Christensen went to acting school together. Um, and, and, they've, and they've known each other since like 2000. Um, so there's a really good chance that when they're doing their interactions, it's going to be a really good bit of acting from both of them because they're comfortable with each other. And, and I'm very hopeful that that is the thing that allows us to see Ahsoka as something other than this monolith of worry. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. All right, well, let's, let's give a quick episode summary and kind of catch people up. Because uh, obviously we're talking about Anakin. It's a big part of the episode. But 
basically the episode continues on sort of three different lines. Line one is our heroes are working with Hu Yang. They're trying to rebuild the ship. And uh, our heroes being Hera and uh, Ahsoka. Sabine. Sabine, thank you. Uh, no, yes, yeah, Sabine and Ahsoka. They uh, work with Hu Yang to try and rebuild the ship. They decide to go off while he keeps trying to fix the ship to try and stop. They, they know they're on the planet where this huge ship is being constructed. They know that something's going to happen, the map that will allow them to go get Thrawn and possibly to go get Ezra. And they want to take the map back and, and stop them from going. And at one point, Ahsoka says to Sabine, look, as hard as this is, it is important enough that we not let Thrawn come back that we might have to destroy the means of getting Thrawn back. We might have to destroy the means of getting Ezra back if it also prevents Thrawn coming back. And she sort of says to Sabine, can I count on you to do this? And Sabine says yes, but they never, like the wording of it is interesting in a way that you're, I think you're kind of immediately like, nope, Sabine is absolutely not going to hold to that what Ahsoka wants. Um, she goes, you know you can trust me. That's a yeah. lie, Sabine. She doesn't know that. You literally stole the map from her. Like, Yeah, well, I... <laughs> We can trust Sabine to do what Sabine thinks is right, no matter whatever the house says. So, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, they get in a couple of fights. They um, fight with Shin and the um, the Inquisitor. The Inquisitor, I think, gets killed. Or, or like, they get slashed across the, the chest and all this, like, dust comes out. We'll talk about that in a bit. Seems pretty dead. Um, so, probably not Ezra under there, as was speculated <laughs> by some people. Um but we, we, so the other, the, the, uh, let me back up a second. So that's one plot line. The second plot line is the not quite Sith working with Morgan Elsbeth to try and construct this, uh, you know, space ring and find the map and figure out how to get in hyperspace to go to where Thrawn and Ezra are. And then lastly, we have Hera uh, continuing to try and work with the New Republic to get them to support her in stopping this. She gets a pretty hard no. So she winds up um, with Chopper uh, and with her son taking out the ghost. They don't have authorization, but who cares? They're going to go and uh, try to join uh, our heroes uh, and and see what can be done about all this. And they jump in the, the ghost with a bunch of X-Wings, one of which is piloted by Uncle Kemp. Forgive me. Um, uh, Appa, forgive me. Um, I really, really love that actor from uh, Kim's Convenience. But no, in this, he is Carson, the X-Wing pilot. Uh, who's just becoming kind of the glove shadow of this universe, which I really, really love. Uh, so anyway, we get to a big final battle. Um, Shin and Sabine are fighting uh, while Ahsoka is fighting. I want to call him Baylor, but that's, is that is that his name? Balin. Balin, thank you. And Ahsoka, uh, Sabine is kind of able to defeat Shin, uh, but Shin gets away. There's fighting, there's fighting. The fighting's pretty cool, but I, I will say it goes on for a while. The end result of it, though, is that Balin defeats Ahsoka and knocks her off a cliff, and she falls to her maybe death? We're not quite sure. Uh, and Balin says to Sabine, look, I promise we won't hurt you, and if, if you give me back the map, because she's kind of holding it and threatening to destroy it, I will, I will go get Thrawn, but you'll go able to get Ezra, and I promise you that we will... What, what I'm doing is for the greater good. What I'm doing is for the, the good of all much to the shock and chagrin of everybody who has never watched anything in the world, uh, Sabine decides to do it. She gives the, the map to Balin. Uh, the X-Wings arrive just in time to watch them jump off to hyperspace. A couple of them are destroyed, but Carson comes through it okay. The ghost comes through it okay. And 
we then end with Sabine in, I'm sorry, Ahsoka. At first, we kind of see her body like lying at the bottom of that cliff. But then we shift to this kind of like otherworldly. It might be a thing called the world between worlds, which was the thing that was established in uh, Rebels. We're not sure. But it's some kind of like, maybe it's just kind of in her mind as her body is healing. But she's in some kind of ethereal, clearly not actually like a physical place. Uh, and she is now talking to, not looking like a force ghost, just looking like a person in this ethereal world, Anakin Skywalker, in the part of Hayden Christian. Uh, Christian's son? Hayden Christian... Christensen, thank you. Uh, uh, and there the episode ends. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, and we do Darth get... Darth Vader theme. A little bit of the Darth Vader theme at the very end of uh, uh, Anakin showing up. So, yeah, Aaron, talk, talk to us about this episode. What'd you love? What'd you not love? Um, well, I love... <sighs> the Inquisitors are so funny to me. It's literally like, you know, I don't remember who says it to Iron Man, but it's like, take that away and what are you? Yeah, take your spinny lightsaber away that requires no skill and is just used to intimidate people and doesn't make any sense. She just had to <laughs> stare at you for a while to plan when she was going to stab you. Like, yeah. you stupid, <laughs> stupid. All you did was give her time. You're not attacking her. Like, Inquisitors mm -hmm. always do this, and I just think it's so funny. It's so stupid. So, like, yeah, I mean, of course she was going to murk him. Like, <laughs> I was not surprised at that at all. <laughs> It was just funny to me because there had been so, and uh, this has been happening going all the way back to WandaVision on Marvel, where this, the week-to-week -week result, uh, and the fact that these shows on Disney+, Plus, both Marvel and Star Wars, love mystery boxes, and they love, like, teasing things. Me, you know, all the way back there, people were thinking that, um, you know, Mephisto was showing up, all this stuff, you know, who's the brother, etc. And it's continuing, and I saw, like, all over Twitter this week was just nothing but... Who is the Inquisitor? Is it this person? Is it this person? Is it this person? Yeah. And for it to be just like random Inquisitor who gets, as you said, pretty easily murked <laughs> and we get no knowledge of like who they are or what they're up. I was like, well, that was disappointing, but also kind of good, good for them for the internet I mean, being stop the stop all the speculation nonsense. Yeah, I was honestly OK with it. Yeah. Like all those theories flying around. I was like, honestly, I hope it's not someone we know. Because that feels overplayed. It's like, please, a new character. Like, of course, we have new characters here. We have Balin. We have Shin. We've got some other people. But, um, yeah, I didn't really think he would be much. I figured he would die pretty soon because he's just an Inquisitor who hides behind mm -hmm. his spinny blade. Um, and, yeah, I was kind of okay with him just turning into dust and exploding. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting maybe in hindsight to find out, like, when Shin finds out, no, Shin knows he's dead. Never mind. I guess she was the only one that I thought might have a reaction to his death, but mm -hmm. she didn't. So, don't really think it mattered. I think it was maybe just like a, what do they call it? A red herring. Yeah. Where it's like just to get people talking and excited. Who could it be? Nobody cares. <laughs> so I, there is a lot in this episode I liked. There's a lot that I was not a big fan of, and I, Shin did have a reaction. She just kind of stood and stared. Yeah. And there's like these, these two different shots of Shin from the back, clearly not looking at Ahsoka, who's holding a lightsaber at her, as Shin is just what or Sabine. And I was just like, I don't know, the, the direction of some of these lightsaber fights, it's not the kind of thing we normally care about on the show. It's not a big deal. But Matthew, maybe this is what you're talking about. 
it felt the first fight between Sab- Sabine and Shin felt very clunky and clumsy, but intentionally so. Mm-hmm. Something about the lightsaber fighting in this episode just all felt off to me. It just, and those moments of like long staring while so- something is happening in the yeah, other fight and yeah. no one's doing anything Ma- just felt very like what what is happening here? Matthew, I'm gonna so I'm mad. gonna I'm gonna interrupt you both, I guess. Um, almost shot for shot, the um. Ahsoka Inquisitor scene is directly from Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. It is almost shot for shot. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's it, those long pauses and staring is to- and the way they they stand with where their swords are, how their swords are being held, straight up Seven Samurai. And the scene in Seven Samurai that it is is the main character. I'm not going to remember any Seven Samurai names. Um, is this great swordsman and this other swordsman comes up to him and says, I'm better than you and I challenge you. And so the samurai has to try to convince him not to actually go through with the challenge because he will lose. So they start out with Boken, mm-hmm. which are the wooden swords, which we've seen in Star Wars. Um, and the master samurai beats this uh, this guy um and then he goes no then i want to use real swords and he gets killed and it is exactly what is <laughs> it is exactly what is happening in that scene um which is why i i would say um ahsoka only has one blade lit um because she's not even trying yeah. that hard which is exactly how the the samurai in seven samurai does it he's like i don't even have to work to defeat you um please don't Go through with this challenge. I'm giving you every opportunity over and over again. Okay, fine. I'll have to kill you. Um, which is um, a feeling that um, we also get towards the end of the episode um, from Balin Skull. When he's like, ah, inevitable. I have no choice. Right. Yeah, right. So it, the, it, there's this whole thing throughout the episode that's very much from Seven Samurai. So for the listeners, if you've not seen Seven Samurai, the best of the Akira Kurosawa films, you should go see it. Or actually, you should it you should very, watch it at home because you can't go see it. You know? yeah. It is very good. You should then soon afterwards watch The Magnificent Seven, which is a cowboy remake of it, uh, <laughs> which is also quite good, even though it has the epitome of the all-American cowboy played by Yul Brenner. Uh, but they're both fantastic movies. Uh, but yeah, that okay, that's a really good point, and then that makes me feel somewhat better about the lightsaber fighting. It was intentional in that kind of a way. Yeah, like she wasn't even trying. I feel like she was laughing at him. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, how do we feel about... Uh, um, let's kind of go back to Hera's plotline. Uh, so how, it's great to see her and to see Chopper. How are we feeling about how that storyline's playing out? Uh, I'm... <laughs> there's not much to comment on yet um and i hope there will yeah. be because mary elizabeth winstead is really a good actor and i want to see her do stuff but the only moment in which we go oh that's hera is when she's like so did you just sit on the sidelines and see who's going to come out on top moment from the last episode um but otherwise mm-hmm. she's just doing what you'd expect her to do um i think the the actual character moment in uh, in the ghost oh god i was so happy to see the ghost um was um jason going i have a bad feeling yeah, yeah that that was significant mhm yeah. yeah as a parent yeah, as funny. a parent it really sucked also but 
as as the person here who's mm-hmm. a parent, you're like, oh shit, my kid is gonna like be in danger. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I can totally see that. And it's funny, like I, I think I talked about this on the last episode, so I'm not gonna go into it too much more, but like I I'm becoming more and more a fan of bureaucracy and like I I think there's something very interesting about the story where the the local character says, look, you need to put all of our resources into this one specific thing. And the person who has more of the big picture is like, I wish we could, but we can't. And in most of these movies, they're immediately portrayed as like, well, they're wrong. So clearly our hero should just do the right thing. And it's kind of why I love Last Jedi is because that's the case where it's like, no, Leia actually knew better than Poe. And, and so I kind of wish that we weren't getting such a cookie cutter the New Republic is being stupid. Hera knows best, and Hera's going to go off and save the day. But if that's the story we're getting, that's fine, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. And I do love Carson coming along for the ride, too. So that was all pretty fun. Yeah. I really agree with the professor, as in, like, we haven't had time to, like, have anything to say about it. It's been very, yeah. like you were saying, cookie cutter. Yeah. So let's talk then about Sabine. Um, as I said, I think it was fairly predictable, but what'd you all think of kind of her journey and her decision at the end? Sabine's a piece of shit. That's all I have to say. Mm -hmm. She's old enough. She's been through war. She, she should know better. But like, I don't know. Cause also I understand her feelings and I can empathize with that, but I really agree with Ahsoka as in like, you have to do what's for the greater good. And I was really hoping Sabine would take that moment to think to herself and say, Ezra would have destroyed this. Yeah, and, and he would have. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. would have. That's exactly what he did. He sacrificed everything of his own. You're right. Yeah, it's doing kind of the exact opposite of what mm-hmm. Ezra did, and it's, yeah, I I really don't like the way they took that plot line. A because it was just so telegraphed, and I wish it was not quite so obvious. In the same way of like the moment, um, uh, Ahsoka falls, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's how she's gonna wind up seeing Anakin, um, but with Sabine. Especially because one of the things that they keep pushing is the idea that for Sabine, Ezra is her only family, which (laughs) makes no sense because at least by the end of Rebels, like, yes, she had strong feelings of family for Ezra and for Hera and for, uh, you know, everyone else on the on the ghost crew. Granted, you know, Kanan has died. Um Zeb and Callus are off in very romantic love off on their planet. But presu- I mean, they're still around. They could come back for something. I, I do hope we get a cameo of some, some of them at some point, um, especially since we got Zeb and some other live action thing that now mm-hmm. I'm forgetting for a second. Third season of Mandalorian. Third season of Mandalorian. Yeah. So so we, he can come back. Um, yeah. So this whole idea of like Sabine needing to find Ezra, it doesn't really work for me. Um uh, and I, I don't know if they're trying to make it because it's a romantic love, which I really hope they're not doing. But, like, how, how did that strike for you that, like, she needs him because she has no other family? Actually, I do have something to say. So I agree with you as and I'm sitting there like, yo, what about your space mom? The woman who basically raised you? Like, what about Hera? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I kind of, just when you were saying now about how, like, why is it Ezra? I feel like it maybe is similar to why I feel the way I do about Ahsoka. Like, Mm. they were both young. They both grew up with it together. And so I wonder, like, maybe that's where... Like, I can empathize with it more if, like, that's the reasoning because it's like, well, this person means more to me than the others because he gets it. Yeah. Like, they grew up in hard times too, but, like, not under Mm -hmm. imperial rule. Like, that's different. 
I could buy that, or I could even buy like a guilt thing of like he's the one we left behind, and I'm a Mandalorian. We never leave one behind. True. Like, yeah. Though there are lots of potential good reasons for Sabine to want to do this, the show just hasn't given us them yet. Yeah. <laughs> Professor, any thoughts? Well, firstly, I would like to um, say how wonderful I think it is that the youngest person here was the one who called out Sabine's immaturity. Um, <laughs> um, okay, besides that part, the standout moment in every single episode so far for me um, was also in this episode, and it was the use of the word enemy. Hmm. How so? Jedi's don't use words like that. Words like that. It is every time she says our enemy is, I'm like, eh, okay, that's an absolute. Um, um, Matthew, our the person we're both named after, um, the Gospel of Matthew, um, the enemy part in there. You're the pastor. I'm the person without faith. Um. Um, love your enemies and bless them that curse you, that part. Um, mm -hmm. Every time she says they're dealing with their enemy, I, I, I'm very concerned about the way that presents them as heroes. Um, but I'm also very much of the opinion that that means the end of this series will be, oh my God, Thrawn isn't our enemy. He's the guy who could have helped stop the First Order. And we've destroyed him, and now we can't stop the First Order. I think she has to have an aha moment where she's like, okay, you're not my enemy, and I have to figure out um, how not to think of people as enemies. Um, I wonder Interesting. If, Go ahead. Um, I Go ahead. wonder if that's not something Anakin helps her with. That's, that's my thought. That's what he fell into. Yep, that's exactly what I think. Mm. And maybe he's there as Anakin to say, this didn't work. This was the worst thing I ever could have done, and I'm so ashamed, and I need you to not do the same. And I think she would really listen to him. Oh, gosh, you're going to make me sound like a Sith here. I think it's good to have enemies. I, I, like, I, and Matt, this kind of goes back to the conversation you and I had on superhero ethics about mythology and the American monomyth. I, I think there's a real danger, it, like, I think with the idea of when someone becomes your enemy, they are now dehumanized or desentientized, maybe is the better way to say it in the Star Wars universe, and therefore, like, you stop seeing their humanity, their their sentience, their personhood. Totally with you. But I think part of the reason the Jedi fell is that they weren't willing to name the fact that there was enemies out there, that there was a real danger. And so to me, Ahsoka saying that is kind of, like, yes, there is a sense of, I mean, she's gone through all this war, she's gone through all this pain, and that's a problem, but at least part of the idea that I've gotten both in the movies and shows, but especially in the books, is that the New Republic right now is so focused on not being willing to recognize that there are new enemies forming. Uh, and we kind of talked about this when we talked about season one of Resistance, um, that they don't, they're not, they don't see the First Order coming. And so I, I think there could be an interesting story there of... Thrawn being a bit of an anti-hero and there's a kind of like he's really trying to help us stop the you know the, the first order or something like that and that, that could be interesting although that's gonna start all sorts of debates about Thrawn because I'm very much and he's much more of a villain than some of the fan fans like to think I, but I have to say if, if the, the whole point of it is Ahsoka's wrong to think in terms of enemies 
I'm very open to that being a very interesting philosophical story. It's a point that at least as I hear it now, I would very strongly disagree with. Hey, I think it's cool that we disagree on something, Matthew. Um, yeah. But she's talking like Anakin talked at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. And we know that's the problem. So something has to something has to give way. Now, I'll also, I will agree. I will agree with you that um, too often we get interesting villains, and because they're interesting villains, we want to make them anti-heroes instead of villains. Um, and Thrawn mm -hmm. is definitely that. So is so is Balin Skull. By the way, he's like literally yeah. the best, but the literally the best. Do the wrong thing. Help me save your friend. Help me reunite me you with your friend. Do the wrong thing. Much better than Palpatine ever does with Anakin. It is su it's no, a much was... better. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. There was a moment. I don't remember exactly what was happening. I think he was asking her to hand it to him, maybe. And I really thought he was going to be like, do it. And I wanted it so <laughs> bad. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I've always thought that, like, Palpatine, every time Palpatine tries to, like, give in to your hate, you know, where he's like, come, fall into this trap, it never works. But when he is like, no, help me, Anakin, I, that's when it works. Like, Palpatine's really bad at manipulating people, at least as we see on screen. Uh, we know he's good at it otherwise. But, yeah, Balin's much better. And here's, I guess, what is, I think, my biggest complaint about the show so far. And to some extent, this is also marketing, where I think, like, if I didn't know Thrawn was coming, if I didn't know Ezra was coming, and or, or as you were saying, Matt, if I was just or if you were saying, uh, uh, Herr Professor, uh, that we just watch all these episodes together at the same time, which I generally prefer, I, I was so excited for Thrawn, and we're halfway through the show and we haven't seen him. We're halfway through the show and we haven't seen Ezra. We're halfway through the show and we know almost nothing about Balin and, and why he wants this, or Morgan Elizabeth and why he wants this. We're halfway through um, the show and we haven't seen much of anything. That's the problem. Yeah. Which, I mean, I was expecting this to be similar to Obi-Wan Kenobi, just like a standalone show, probably similar to what Book of Boba Fett is going to be. Um, but yeah, like, you're right. Like, there's stuff happening. But personally, I wouldn't have signed the word slow to this show. But you guys are right. Like, there's mm -hmm. not much happening so far. And I wonder, what if that shot of Thrawn that they showed us in the trailer, what if that's it? What if that's the end of the show is Thrawn turning around, <laughs> goes to credits, season two, three years from now? You know, like, they absolutely could do that. I hope they don't, but they absolutely could. And that'd be the kind of thing where if we knew nothing about it, that would be all. And here's where, like, I don't, it's very, I think we should be able to talk about, you know, you know, things that we watch, the art that we watch, movies, TV shows, books, etc., separate from the marketing. But here it's difficult because I think if they did that without ever mentioning anything about who Thrawn was going to be, brilliant, perfect yeah. moment. But after making a big deal of announcing his casting, like, that would just be like, if I was the writer and director, if I'd written that, I'd be so mad that we'd already spoiled who was cast as him, you know? That's very true. Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily be a great storytelling thing to do. <laughs> mm hmm To a certain like, extent. It could be great. To, yeah, a, certain ex to yeah. a certain extent, it's having the same problem that all of the Disney Star Wars shows have which is except for the mandalorian 
which is it doesn't understand what episodic TV is very well. Um, and that's always, I mean, if you're going to give me a two hour story, but make it seven hours long, I'm going to be upset with you. Yeah, Yeah, I just am. Um, and I don't, and we all, all three of us definitely know Dave Filoni is better than that. So either it's going to get really good and then end or, or he really had to like bend over backwards to meet studio expectations. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they don't know how to do episodic television. I, I, I would probably phrase it as they're consciously choosing not to on a network that is still dumb enough to give it to us episodically. But but that's because, like, ever since Marvel di- uh, Marvel Netflix, I have been like, s- serialized storytelling is just so much better. Like, just drop it all at once. Like, I think that, that's a whole other debate. I know some people love the episodic. They love waiting week to week. But I just, to me, that's not a fault of the story show it's a fault of the medium that's being shown in i think you're both super right about this because like people had so much trash to talk about season three of the mandalorian because it felt slow and like you guys Mm -hmm. are saying if you binged it all it would all come together much quickly you'd probably enjoy it a lot more yeah so yeah i think you're right like they're screwing themselves over by not um Mm -hmm. releasing things season by season because that'll get people more excited who aren't like hardcore fans because of course of course hardcore fans are gonna wait every week they're so excited they're gonna talk about it on reddit with all their friends for the weeks in between like it's gonna get a lot of buzz going but yeah maybe someone who hasn't really watched a star wars show before they're like i don't know maybe i'll give it a try two episodes in they're like i don't care (laughs) like you know what all of this has led me to a thought that i'm sure no one has thought before but i'm just gonna put it out there because i think it is unique and new capitalism is bad for art no way. if we had no if we had no art if we had no profit motive art would be better radical idea there it is radical indeed professor have you ever read anyone say that anywhere i think capitalism is good for art um as much as i hate to say it so um because yeah. without because i don't think art gets made I don't think art gets made without people hoping to make money from it, who are just the suits. And in this case, we know the suits are the Sith. But um, but if, if it was just no profit motive and just Dave Filoni wanting to make this, I don't think it would get made. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I will, go, okay. I, I will go totally back to the... Um, there's an old quote from um, Ursula K. Le Guin, the science fiction writer, who said, you know, capitalism seems inevitable right now, but uh, three centuries ago, so did the divine right of kings. And it's true. There's right. got to be something oh, after true. capitalism because capitalism is killing us. But I... I'm just saying the BBC gave us some great television without a profit motive. But, but yeah, this is a whole other debate for a whole other time. Yeah. I really agree with you there. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind BBC version of Star Wars, but I would I do like the good effects, and um, I remember the original Doctor Who effects. Um, so <laughs> that's fair. That is that is very fair. <laughs> All right. Well, well. Now that I've gone off on my economic rant, and the professors helped pull me back to earth a bit. Um, any of the last things you want to say about this episode? Oh, I no. What are we talking about? Well, we do that again because we haven't talked about the biggest thing. All right, well, now that I've gone off my little economic rant and, uh, yeah, the professors pulled me back, because uh, there is a big thing we still should be talking about. Uh, yes, yeah, so what do we think of the end? And um, 
Where is Ahsoka and what's going on? What do you think? I think she's in the world between worlds. Personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the slight deep fake on Hayden Christensen was a little painful. But I understand their motive. It wasn't as bad as the Luke one. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited. Like, seeing those two characters, I'm going to start crying. Oh my god. It meant so much to me. As someone who grew up on the Clone Wars, like, mm-hmm. ugh. Because, like, growing up in that way, never seen Revenge of the Sith. I've watched the Clone Wars before seeing Revenge of the Sith. So I knew what happened to Anakin. I knew he was Vader because of the original trilogy. But right. I still got to fall in love with, like, Anakin Skywalker and see him as this really fun guy before all this bad stuff happened. I got to see the reasoning the bad things started happening, um, mm. even if it was assigned post-release yeah. or whatever you would call it. So it's a really big moment for me seeing, like, two characters who are so important in live action. And, like, as someone... Oh, my God, I'm so emotional because I'm overly tired. So sorry, guys. <laughs> but, um, like... seeing Ahsoka have this moment like as someone who loves the character and like loves the character of Anakin like I know she's been in so much pain for so many years and this is gonna be so healing for her and it's gonna mean so much so I'm very excited for where the rest of the season is gonna go I really hope that Anakin's appearance and whatever transpires afterwards makes a big change in the show um and I think that it will Aaron, your um, emotions are just perfect and beautiful here. Just, to, just to make sure that that is there. Um, our love for characters is probably one of the most important things that makes us human. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping you never apologize for your emotions again. That, 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 that said, I'm, the question I was going to interrupt you and ask was um, how you feel about the prequel tr- trilogy. But having seen Clone Wars before. Revenge of the Sith, um, that is interesting. So how do you feel about the prequels um, series in regards to what we're seeing on Ahsoka right now? Can this be Clone Wars Anakin, or does it have to be like um, he's dead Anakin completely? Like Force Force Ghosts, the Force Ghosts are not very interesting. Yeah, they're they're they're, I mean, they're they they drop plot and then go away. Yes, very true. They're not very deep characters. Um, yeah. So the prequels, I know it's controversial, but I love Attack of the Clones. Fight me, okay? I love the Geonosian Arena. I loved playing that um in the Lego Star Wars game. One of my mm-hmm. favorites. Um, and I mean, even uh, Phantom Menace. Even now, I watch it, and because I was so young when it came out, I was like, I want to be in a pod racer. Like, I know no adult (laughs) thought that because it was a stupid plot point, but I was hype, and it still gets me excited. Um, So, yeah, like, I have a lot of love for the prequels. I will be honest, I think I've only seen Revenge of the Sith once, maybe twice, because that's how painful it is for me. Mm. To see what I know is like, oh, I'm emotional again, but to see what I know is Clone Wars Anakin... have that happen like even though romance is not written well in the clone wars like i was young enough to not notice and really believe in the love that padme and anakin have and so that was a hard part too and i'm really hoping i hadn't even thought of it maybe what they throw on screen right now is prequels anakin 
and I hope not. I hope with all the all the show is is taking cartoon into live action. So if they present Anakin to us without taking into account who he is during the Clone Wars, I'll be really disappointed. Yeah, it's first of all, again, I just want to honor how emotional it is for you. It does not hit me in quite the same way, but I definitely teared up when when it was Anakin appearing on screen because of all that. Because I, I've been so, to me, the the thing that has haunted me this whole time and that I've so desperately to see. And I think now I'm kind of accepting that we'll just never actually see it, but we'll see something similar. You know, is that moment when Ahsoka realizes that that Anakin won in the end, that Anakin did defeat Darth Vader at the very end and came back and so i agree with you i think it has to be that and like the the little force notes at the end tell me that there's going to be something there as well and i it, you know it makes me really curious like is it is it it it, it, it partly makes me wonder like is this in her head that this is all occurring or is this a force ghost or is this world you know what and i hope at some point they answer that for us to some extent because yeah, to me, that's what I need more than anything else is I need Ahsoka to have a chance to get closure on all of that. And and part of that is the the pain. Part of that is she has very legitimate anger. You know, you were my master. You fell. How could you do this to me? How could you betray all the things you taught me? But also is the, you know, we know she carries around so much guilt that she wasn't there for him. And that the part of her that felt that she, maybe he wouldn't have fallen if she had been there. And... You know, it's that like, I think it's easy to sit back and go, oh, Ahsoka, you shouldn't feel that way. But that that never doesn't work, you know. And so just they they have so much they need to say to each other. And I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And it, it's funny because part of the journey I think that I've gone with this is, you know, in some ways, uh, Aaron, I, I hate how painful it was for you. And I, I can understand why it's not something you want to watch again. But I'm also so jealous that you got to watch Rise, you know, Revenge of the Sith like that, because I think like. To me, I've come to appreciate the sequels, the prequels a lot more, in part from talking to folks like you and others who really loved them at the time, but also because of Clone Wars, because I, I, I think Natalie Portman and now I, I'll even say Hayden Christensen, I think are great actors. I think something about the dialogue and the direction, I never felt a, an iota of chemistry between those two on screen, but I absolutely believed the romance in in uh clone wars animated show and i absolutely believed you know watching like like that chilling moment when um obi-wan is and and satine are not sure what to do about this uh uh separatist person they've captured and anakin just kills the guy and you hear a little bit of the the emperor the uh dark side music and like all of that was so well done and makes me believe revenge of the sith so much more even if I still think Mace Windu should have never done a huge wind up on his swing, that was really dumb. But putting <laughs> that aside, putting that aside, um, and I think Obi Wan is not my favorite show by any means. But I will say it: it Obi Wan convinced me that it's okay for Hayden to keep playing this character because mm-hmm. I loved Matt Latner, who was the voice actor for him. I think he was just so much better. And I kind of think mostly it's probably just bad direction in those original movies and bad writing, and so I'm. I'm I, I like obviously by this point I there's no way they're gonna give us Matt Latner with with live action like it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I'm 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 really excited to see where it goes with Hayden. I definitely have some nervousness. I think that there's 
you know, I don't want them to undo what's happened in other movies. And so I, I have a lot of concern, I have a lot of nervousness, but I'm definitely really excited to see what happens. And I think that, that this is really the, the part of Ahsoka story, I think, that we're all wanting to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna add on the Hayden Christensen thing. Um, he actually um has been in stuff and been really good at it. Um, mm -hmm. he was in a a film called Shattered Glass about um a journalist who was making up his stories, um and got caught. Um, and he is utterly fantastic in it. It's a small independent film nice. from like 2003, but he just nails the role. Oh, and Rosario Dawson is in that movie too. So, man. um but oh, cool. um he is capable of actually being an eff effective actor, which is not something we can say about a lot of people in Star Wars. Right? Mm -hmm. Um there are a lot of really bad actors. Um, I'm not going to name any because that would be mean, but there are whole shows that I don't like because the acting was bad. Um, and um, that doesn't have to be Hayden Christensen. I think he can actually pull this off if he's got the right direction. Yeah. Right. Look, it, it, to me, the best argument for Hayden Christensen acting in the prequels is Natalie Portman, because we know that she is a world class actress. And she's appallingly bad in the prequels, and it's because the writing and the direction are so bad. So, mm -hmm. anyway, we're not here to bash on that, but but no, I think it's a really good question. I'm glad we're, we're into it. And so I guess maybe I'll kind of turn it back to Aaron. What do you think that dark side music at the end meant? Hmm, that is an interesting question. You have to be who you are. You can't escape your past. Yeah, that could definitely be it. Because, mm -hmm. like, when you said that question, the first thing my mind thought was, like, oh, maybe they're foreshadowing, like, it's not fully Anakin, like, he's still yeah. But that doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? It doesn't make sense. That's not how the character works. Like, yeah. so, yeah, I think maybe they just threw it in there to be cool, to be like, oh, like, here's Vader, but... What the professor just said makes a lot of sense. You can't from, run from your past. It's still part of you even when you've reformed. Yeah. So, so here's my weird theory, and this might be far too esoteric and far too much of a deep cut. But what happened at the end of Return of the Jedi is that... Uh, let me back that up. So in Revenge of the Sith, what Anakin wants more than anything else is to protect the life of his, of the, of his family, of his wife and his unborn children. And for that, he's willing to throw out any principles, the organization he's a part of, in order to protect the life of, of his family. At the end of Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader, in order to protect the life of a member of his family, throws out everything he believes and everything he's been a part of. I wonder if, like, again, there's all sorts of stuff about, like, is Anakin fully redeemed by by one action and that's a whole other story and I, i'm definitely on the like one action is not redemption but it's part of her journey etc cetera, etc cetera. but i and this might be a whole other thing that would be way too esoteric and philosophical to get into but i wonder if there's gonna be something there that anakin is still kind of a trouble like the decision he makes at the end is still the very personal i am attached to my son i want to save the life of my son i can fight my way through the emperor's mind control i'm willing to sacrifice myself which is very much not dark side, but like, but you know, when Vader does that, it's not because I don't think he thinks the empire is wrong and has to be stopped. It's because he just wants to save his son. So 
What do y'all think? I think that's super true. And it's incredibly Anakin. Like, his problem was always that he cared too much. Too much, quote, mm-hmm. quote, in the Jedi's eyes. He cared as much right. as any human being would. And right. so I think that's very true. I, personally, I always thought he killed the Emperor. He's back. You know? Mm-hmm. Because also when I saw these movies, I was the original trilogy. I was so young. Like, the world is that black and white. Yeah. Oh, they did something. Now they're better. Oh, his Sith eyes are gone. He's fully reformed. We can forgive it all. Well, we can't forgive it because it happened, but we can't mm-hmm. blame it on this version of him. Like, that's how black and white it had been in my eyes for a long time. And since I never really sit around and think about it too much, I don't come up with these other ideas, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's hard as a... This is... I, I don't want to put it precisely this way, but I'm going to anyway. Um, it's very much a story of, like, okay, Herman Goring is okay now because he saved a dozen Jews. Um uh, no, he he still did the Holocaust. Um, there is no redemption for Vader. There just is no redemption. There can't be. He has committed genocide and child murder. And so the question is, is that a completely different person? Is Anakin coming back a overwrite of the, of the hardware, essentially? Um, because... If that's the case, then I'm okay with Anakin. But otherwise, I'm like, dude, you don't get any points from me for saving one person after what you've done. Yeah. You just don't. Yeah. One thing for me, have you guys read, well, I think you have, Matthew, but Professor, have you read the book, The Dark Disciple? No, it's sitting right on my bedside, but no. Okay. Very good book. I won't really spoil much, but there is a character who we see go from good to evil. And it does seem to be very much a light switch, very much like you're saying, kind of like a hardware reset. Because once he starts to move past it, it's like, oh, the Sith eyes are gone. He's damaged, but he's back. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I had always seen Anakin as like, oh, this is a different person. Like the real Anakin never would have thought or done these things until he was corrupted by the sith like the dark side to me is an overwrite of who you are right and that's 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 how how i've always seen it and that's how vader talks about anakin he was weak i destroyed him he doesn't talk about anakin as though anakin was he who he was in the past um that is exactly how vader talks about him so yeah i i think it's really interesting questions because i i admit i always i didn't see it as purely black and white but i did see the gray of like that that Anakin came back at the end in that, you know, he could overwrite that programming because he was still in there sometime. But that, but also now I'm putting out this idea that maybe he was still being selfish, just, you know, kind of, because certainly at the end of Empire, he's already talking about overthrowing the Emperor with, with Luke at his side, you know, which is very much the Sith thing, but of like the constant infighting among them. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try and keep his, I try not to have any kind of like, I want it to go this way or this way. But I think there could, re- I think, I think if they're willing to really dive into this grayness, there could really, there could really be something there of Anakin helping Ahsoka, but also Ahsoka helping Force Ghost Anakin or whatever this entity of Anakin is, um, you know, because certainly we've seen, yeah, it's, it's, I sense that we're going to have a lot more to say about this topic before the end of the show is about probably where all I can say. Agreed.
hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other last comments? Either one you want to make about this episode before we wrap up and go into a quick Patreon section? I will just add that Ray Stevenson um, is the best thing in this show, and it's a sad thing to have to say that, um, considering. Um, but he's the one who has the gravitas. Uh, I didn't to hear the first part. Who, who? What? What? What is the best part? You said Ray Stevenson. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, the actor playing Baylor, who has now passed away. Yeah, he's he's really good, and I think that's enough. I think I just don't like mystery boxes as much as I used to, and so I don't, I don't want to make that a critique of the show. That makes my own personal thing, but I'm. I'm very frustrated that we still know so little about who he and Shin are and what they want and where they come from. My critique of the show is it's essentially a fetch quest. I, I don't know if you guys had this, but there was a moment in the in the show, in the episode, where he mentions that he knew Anakin. And I'm like, oh my god, this conversation's gonna get so good! And Ahsoka turns on her lightsaber and says, but I'm not here to talk about the past. I literally yelled at the screen, turn off your lightsaber! Talk about the past, please! But instead, they which went into a fight. Um, yeah. And I was very disappointed. I mean, I'm gonna be honest, when he said that, I thought to myself, he probably has never met Anakin. He's just trying to get to her. That's possible. He just knows what he knows. You mm -hmm. know? Like, like he said, everyone in the Order knew of Anakin Skywalker. It doesn't mean you actually met him or knew anything about him. He was the chosen yeah. one. Everyone's heard all these crazy tales about him. Everyone knows who his Padawan, who his master is, you know? Right. But even just that, I think it would have been, yeah, like, Anakin's the coolest kid in school, and everyone's heard of him, and he hasn't heard of them. Mm -hmm. But even just hearing, like, what 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 some other young Padawan, or probably even a Padawan, what some other young Jedi thought of Anakin, like, I would have loved that. <laughs> Very true. All right, Matthew, any, uh, or Aaron, any last thing you want to say before we wrap up? Um, just this episode and rewatching the first episode has really solidified my deep-seated need to cosplay Shin Hati. She's so yeah. cool. She's so mm -hmm. cool. She's so cool. Like, I love a villain who doesn't blink, shows almost no fear, is definitely still a newbie. It's like, you can tell this person doesn't know what they're doing, but they're using overconfidence to compensate. And mm -hmm. I love that. She's always smiling. Girl, you don't know you're going to win. You're just pretending you know. You're going to do your best, you know? So, yeah. yeah, I would just love to cosplay her. You you would do amazing as her. I, I've loved seeing how popular she's gotten. Um, I spent a lot of time on queer TikTok and Twitter and the amount of sapphic love that is being put out there be between Sabine and Shin of like, you know, stop fighting and just kiss already is a very, <laughs> very popular meme that I am all the way here for. Um, so, yeah, no, no, would love to see that. Well, um which is a very good segue uh, for those who want to see the cosplay you are currently doing, which we're going to talk a little bit more in our bonus section. We're going to talk about cosplay and Dragon Con with Aaron and Matthew. Uh, but Aaron, for those who are not uh, members, not Patreon section anymore, it's membership, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so I am on TikTok and Instagram at Lady Tano Creates, all one word. Um, as you can kind of intuit by the name of my account, I cosplay Ahsoka. Her season seven um, version is what I have right now. In the future, of course, I'd love to do more versions of Ahsoka, but mm -hmm. I don't quite have the time or money to do as much as with cosplay as I'd love to. Um, but yeah, so if you want to see me do that, I post pictures. Instagram is mostly like pictures of big things or photo shoots I've done and things like that. And then my TikTok, I post a lot of videos of just step by step what I'm working on. Mm hmm yeah it's awesome to see i know nothing about cosplay i've learned so much of your stuff 
really worth checking out. Uh, and uh, Professor Matthew, besides enrolling as a student in Montclair State, which I think is a very good way to do, uh, learn more about your thoughts, what else can people do to find what you have to say out there? Um, well, right now, um, I'm just the um, old guy who edits a book series and teaches, and I'm very happy with my semi-retired life. So um, <laughs> if um, if you're interested in my work, I did do a book on Star Wars a long time ago um, as an academic. It's an academic book. Um, but um, I also edit a game series uh, called um, Studies in Gaming, which is about tabletop and digital games and how... Um, how academics look at them. And you can just find that by um, Googling my name and studies in gaming and it'll come right the heck up. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check out both of those things. Uh, of course, we have a little bit more of both of them in the membership section, but for everybody else, thank you so much for being a part of the show. We have spoken. <laughs>